Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pop Culture Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here. Hope everything's going well in your world. If you're from Australia, or more specifically here in Victoria, Melbourne, hope you're enjoying this sunshine. I've uh, officially just kick-started my tan campaign of 2023. I've got some serious work to do, but I mean, it's been nice out in the backyard today. Anyway, today on this show, we have been lucky enough to be joined by the strength and conditioning coach of the Melbourne Footy Club by the name of Jack McLean. Now, if you're not from Australia, which a lot of you aren't, the AFL, the Aussie Football League, is arguably, at least based on viewer numbers, Australia's favourite sport. I mean, every weekend from March through to early October, we've got a game of footy on between one of, I think there's 19 different teams in the league now. If you don't know the sport, the midfielders run between sort of 15 and 17 Ks a game. You've got to be fit, you've got to be strong, you've got to be fast, you've got to recover. It requires a whole heap of various fitness components. So the job of being a strength and conditioning coach for a club or a game like this is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of different plates to spin. And that's why I'm so interested in speaking to a bloke like Jack as a guy who's got a passion for health, fitness, um, and just operating at a higher level, regardless of what it is that you do. I'm really interested to find out how you get people in shape to do just that. So a lot of the conversation today is around how Jack specifically does that with the boys that he's working with down there at Melbourne Footy Club. Um, For a little bit of context, Melbourne, the last couple of seasons, has been one of the best teams in the league they're looking again to to make a, a bit of a dent in the final series they're they're fighting to stay in this weekend and uh i mean they're, they're playing against my team which is carlton so i mean i love to cheer for him based on the work that jack's doing but i can't bring myself to do it uh this is a really interesting conversation for for those fitness lovers out there people who are interested in improving their health fitness coordination strength whatever it is this bloke's got a, a whole heap of wisdom on the subject, really good to pick his brains about it. So as a result, naturally, we dance around a few different topics. I pick his brain on a few different subjects, health and fitness, but I'll let him do the talking, hey? I'm about to ask the questions anyway. So hey, sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation with myself and Melbourne Footy Club's strength and conditioning coach, Jack McLean. So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual, zero, nothing. <laughs> Man, how's the vibe at your place today? I watched the game uh, between Melbourne and the Pies last night, and I was cheering for you guys hard. And I thought that last quarter you were you were going to get the job done, but seven points short, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was a brutal game. I went with my dad and brother. Dad's Collingwood, brother's neutral. Um, and uh, we, it was a, I've never been to an AFL final before, Um and yeah, it's a different ball game. That's for sure. In terms of just the amount of people trying to fit into the MCG, like we're we're still finding our seats with when Angus Brayshaw went down. Um, so it was a yeah the first quarter. The easiest way I've sort of wrapped my head around the first quarter in terms of pressure and contest um, felt like that the game was on the line. It's the fourth quarter, <laughs> and the game's just finding itself. It's just the first quarter. So it was, yeah, intense. It was a wild um, game to watch, man. It was funny. That first half was strange. It was kind of slow moving. Felt like I think you guys had kicked two goals until half time for a while. So I thought you were in a, a little bit of trouble there. But Collingwood weren't really running away. Like, what did they get? 30 points in front at some stage as a, as a max lead. What were you thinking that last quarter? Did you think you were going to get them? Uh, yeah, it felt, it felt like Collingwood were trying to save the game and we were trying to win it. Um, 
and just and we missed a couple of opportunities in front of goals and it, yeah, it, it, it definitely looked like it was winnable. Uh, obviously, we got plenty of supply uh, out inside fifties. I think we had like twenty more than than Collingwood. Um, so the opportunities there, I think there's a lot of there's a lot that we'll take away from it from a confidence point of view in terms of there's a lot went right with our uh, team defense and and getting forward um, entry and keeping the ball in our forward half, but just wasn't quite the result in the end. We probably needed another ten minutes <laughs> to, yeah, to get in front, right. but. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think I think probably the tap, listen to Goody's press comments. He spoke quite well about it uh, in terms of we just started a bit late, and that puts pressure on you when you got that scoreboard pressure uh, in a big game like that. It doesn't. It makes it a lot uh, more challenging, and, and I guess every miss is, adds a little bit more pressure as well. Um, whereas if you you start well, you sort of set yourself up to succeed. So I think that start is probably something we want to look at. Um, redeeming ourselves against whether we play Carlton or City next week, start well, and at least then you, you've got a good momentum and, and bank some good goals early in the game. Yeah, I'm a Carlton supporter, and what I took out of the game last night was if we beat Sydney tonight, I'm not looking forward to playing against you guys because as slow as that first half was, it's amazing to watch a bloke like Petrarca who started out pretty quietly pick up what was it like. 23 or 24 possessions in the second half of footy. Him and I'd love to know. I know you probably can't give away too many secrets, but him and Clayton Oliver together, they're just like a little, they're just like this this crazy duo. Hey, like watching those guys dance their way out of uh, pretty packed um, opposition plays was unbelievable last night. It's just, it's almost though it looks like it's accidental the way they wiggle their way out. Then you slow mm. it down and watch it back, and you go, "No, no, these guys have played plenty of footy together. They sort of <laughs> they got they look as though they've got a lot of confidence in each other. Not to mention Big Gorney, like he was just on fire last night as well, which was which was crazy to watch. He was he was probably best on, in my opinion. Just the yeah, way, it's, just, it's so wild watching a big bloke like that. He he looks kind of um like for, I don't know what height he is. Uh yeah, I'm not sure exact centimeters for Gorney. Massive though, but you don't you don't often yeah. see a bloke that big look that coordinated. Like he's still got that big man that big man lope when he moves around. Like yeah, you, you kind of look at a bloke like that and you think, oh, how's he how's he going to get out of this situation? He just he just does. Yeah, I um yeah. I mean I, I love Stevie May as well, so it's no criticism against him. But I was watching a couple of uh, the highlights of him last night as well, and I was like, I reckon Big Gorney moves better than May. <laughs> like, a couple <laughs> of the big blokes, which is a more said as a compliment to. To Gorney, but um, yeah, I tell you what, it's uh, it's definitely not over at the moment, is it? Like you'd be um, as much as I hate to admit it, pretty confident going into next week with with whoever you you face that you know things things fall into place for for Melbourne. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you would have liked to be in Collingwood's position. You stay in Melbourne, uh, you get a you know a bit more time to get everyone cherry ripe, uh, and and also give people some some time off as well. Like they'll have a bit more time to rest. But we're pretty much just going to get straight into preparation for next Friday night but um at the same time I guess like everyone had a week off last week so maybe getting some momentum going into the grand final if we were to make it could be a good could be a good thing because um you know to be able to get that team chemistry and um yeah get our offensive game going um maybe you do need a couple more games obviously potentially so we'll see where the journey takes us but man i reckon uh, you're spot on i reckon that i reckon the week off is overrated for for as you say like you had the game the week off last week like 
once you start missing two games in a month, like there's that there's that counterproductive kind of a vibe where you look at it and you go, okay, well, it seems to like you're not sure whether the rest outweighs just that rhythm that you get. Like I mm. often used to notice when I when I was a distance runner, if I had a couple of weeks off racing, I would get back out there and, and the first race back often felt like a bit of a, a rust buster. And it was yeah. once you got into a bit of a routine of going, all right, well, I've, I've got a race every week for the next six weeks. By the time week three or four comes around, you just, you're absolutely flowing. So, yeah, I thought that last night. I, I would love to know, like I get it from a physical perspective. Sure, they get a little bit of chance to put their feet up. But the idea that you guys develop a bit of uh, rhythm, um, mm. you know, hopefully it stopped uh, well short uh, if, if you play Carlton next week. But <laughs> like the next the next two weeks, you got the opportunity just to keep that track. And so um, I'm sure, like, is it still a pretty optimistic vibe around the club after a game like that? Because there'd be so many emotions that you have to navigate your way through and pick yourself up, back up for next week. Yeah, I think there'll be a bit of resolve. I mean, we've got um, our first session with the whole group on on uh, Sunday, um, of Friday today. So I went into the club for a couple of boys' rehab sessions and a few boys were coming through for their recovery as well as it was our injury clinic. So any follow-ups from any knocks and things like that where the medical team assessed the boys. So I saw, I saw a couple of them this morning. Uh, it's a night. It was a night game last night, obviously. So it just naturally there's... Um, Everyone's in that recovery mode, um, so there wasn't probably wasn't a indicator of of where the vibes are at. But I'll certainly know on Sunday. But typically, the, over the last couple of years I've been at the club, the, you, you, whether we win or lose, it doesn't dictate too much the feel of the week and the preparation. The boys are pretty mature. The leaders been in the system for quite some time that uh, they're not too reactive. It's pretty much a business as per usual, um, where it, it's. Usually, yeah, that ability to be able to switch on when it's uh, important you need to and then also be able to have that ability to have some fun and joke around um, when it's the right time as well. So no doubt that will be the same next week. Um, but I do feel like when we when it gets closest to like our main session will be on Tuesday, uh, I reckon there'll be, a f- there'll be a pretty hot training session, I reckon, because, yeah, back's against the wall now. You don't have an extra chance. You've got to... You know, got to win, um, do or die. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. That's for sure. So the main session's next Tuesday, and did you say uh, the the next game will be next Friday night? Yeah. yeah. So so you yeah. have a couple of cruisier days, and then are the boys are the boys doing much of their own stuff over the next couple of days, or is it just sort of deal with any niggles? You know, keep the legs turning over, have a good hit out, and then just you know try and refine everything for for Friday night. Yeah, that's sort of like our philosophy, which at Melbourne, like they've got the book, they've got to trust. So, two day, you know, the next day you get assessed if you need to, if the medical team need to get their hands on you. Otherwise, it's your own recovery. Uh, and the boys would have had already by this stage of the year their routine. Uh, maybe early on in practice matches for the younger players, there's a bit of education on that, and you, and you give them some different plans so they've experienced hot colds, pure cold, water immersion, whatever it might be, stretching, mobility. Um, and then once they're exposed to it, it's pretty much trusting them to know their body and know what works best for them uh, a day after a game. And then some of the guys actually feel more fatigued two days post. So that's where um, we would have like a, we have our lighter session, just get the get them going with a fundamental skill session and some low level running. Uh, and then at minus three from the game is where we have our main session, which is where it's high intensity. You know, you're training at above match intensity for a couple of drills. There's contest. A uh, lot of obviously tactical side to the, um, and then the day before 
which will be Thursdays, like now what we call Demon Day, which is um, get them get them firing. Some of them like to do a prime session from a neural point of view, which um, research shows it boosts testosterone growth hormone, but also excites the the nervous system, so you can retain information better. So that's like just basically power training, uh, maybe some low level plyometrics with some throw medicine ball throws and low volume, but done at high intensity. Uh, some of the guys like that 24 hours before a game just to get them ready. Um, but, yeah, that, and then it's obviously the tactical meetings as well just to keep everyone almost on the same page going into the game um, with the coaches and then they, they play. That's the, the flow of the week. So um, this week will be no different. Carlton will have or Sydney will have a seven-day break where we get an extra day. Um, but playing Thursday nights, eight-day break is where we, you can get some good training in with, the, with that eight-day break as well. Yeah, I've heard this this neural training being thrown thrown around a little more recently lately. Like it was a word that I hadn't been super familiar with until I'm still not super familiar with it. Actually, leading up to my question, but uh, it is it is uh, it's seemingly like a, a newer word in the world of elite sport. Like, what are you actually referring to? Because what were you saying? The the some of those primal exercises in, enhances. Uh, what, did you say information retention? Yeah. So you're aware the the prime session. Uh, is typically a, a resistance session to uh, elevate the nervous system or excite the nervous system, I guess. So um, for people listening, you know, if you, I guess the opposite, if you're um, sometimes being in a sauna or having a nap uh, or doing some mindfulness, you'd feel quite relaxed. Um, uh, you're slowing things down, so you're in that recovery state, uh, that sort of parasympathetic state when we're doing a prime session we want the opposite, so maybe the music might be whatever would excite that person. It might be hard rock, it might be rap, it might be house music, dance, whatever it is, So, but high energy. Um, the the exercises that we're doing are explosive, so they're not like slow stretches. Um, they're, they're more just getting your nervous system to recruit muscles really quickly, like jumping and throws. Uh, they're, they're exercises and also they're loaded to a point where you're not going to get um, fatigue from it so there shouldn't be any residual fatigue um, like muscle soreness or body fatigue like a big training session um, but it prepares the session so you're more of, um, like a, a generic a generic probably warm-up no matter what someone does when they're about to do a warm-up typically you start slow and then you'd finish your warm-up with almost looks like what you're about to do whatever your activity is you're about to do if you're about to do sprints you naturally you're uh, your warm-up's going to finish with things that are looking like sprinting activities, whether it be drilling, dynamic drilling. Um, a prime would be very similar for an athlete. So, like, if you're trying to improve and prime their legs, it might just be a simple squat jump with a bar on their back, uh, a three, you know, two sets of three reps, for example. But every rep is done at 100% intent to move as fast as possible. Um, for someone who wants to maybe inside mid where you're working on, like, fend-off patterns, uh, might be just a, a step and then rotate their hips and throw the medicine ball as far as they can. Uh, same thing, two th- sets of three reps each side. You don't change the the routine very often, so the athletes are very familiar. Um, you get the athlete involved in as well. Like ask them what exercises do they like because the intent will usually be higher with something that you enjoy doing and feels you know intu- intuitively feels good on your body. Um, Landmine is something we like to use as well, which is like a tor- also known as a torsionator. It's really good for rotational power exercises. Um, so we can do like landmine throws, rotational landmine movements. But, yeah, that, that's the key aspect of it. The volume is very short. The intensity is super high. Uh, and there, there should be no 
real fatigue from in the athlete when they're leaving it. If anything, they should feel, uh, yeah, as I said before, primed to, um, and from a um, mental cognitive point of view, it just sharpens them up with the, um, from a, um, for anyone that's sort of experienced maybe uh, like when they go into an ice bath after it, you're pretty alert. Um, that sympathetic nervous system kicks into gear, so you, your um, brain will retain information better, so it's quite a good thing to do before they go into their tactical meeting with the coaches, um, which usually the prime session happens. It's like part of the first rotation. Then they go out on the field, they do their football session, uh, the demon day, uh, which so that should get a flow and effect. That prime should help the productivity from a cognitive point of view. They're going to retain the tactical uh, information the coaches are giving and then also into the meeting that day as well. Um, and then, yeah, from a hormonal point of view, there's research that suggests when you, if you're testing your blood, your testosterone um, would have been spiked from that prime session as well. Gee, man. it's so. And what that you're doing that the day before? Day before, yeah. yeah. And, and But for some athletes, like, it's not for them. So it's not for everyone. Um, it's, it's a personal preference thing. It's not a structured thing as part of our program. It's a if you want to. So, uh, yeah, it's up to the athlete on whether they do prime. The, the rest of their program everyone's doing because they're all team-based activities. Uh, like the field session and the and the meetings with the coaches, um, but that prime is more an individual, um, yeah, individual thing. Which yeah, usually in March when we have a paint practice matches where we we might make a few suggestions in the performance team. Like I, especially if I've had someone in rehab and I've and I throw in some prime, I don't don't even necessarily say that associate with the game because they're not playing, but I'll just throw in a prime because they've got a, a power session or a speed session. They might be sprinting for the first time, whatever. Um, and we do some prime work in the gym before they go out on the field, and they f- they say things like, "Oh, I felt like my contest. I felt much stronger." Like they might be introduced into contact that session, or uh, I felt like my um, my ability to accelerate was far easier, or whatever whatever their feedback is that's positive. They're like, oh, well, you know, this is prime. Give them a little bit of information about it. It might be something you want to look at uh, in your next practice match if it's that time of year and you experiment it. Uh, or even we play so many games, like 24 rounds, even if it's up until round 15, it's not going to hurt um, to try, try it out and see what the athlete thinks. If they have a sample size of maybe a couple of games before they throw it out and then they can make a decision themselves on whether they thought it was a, you know something that helps their routine to uh, start the game well. Yeah. See, do any of the athletes do that in the warm-up to the actual match? Like are they going to be doing that a few hours before a game as well? Or is like some of the benefit lost? If you're doing it a couple of days in a row, uh, you could. It's just probably the logistics because at the MCG in those stadiums, the gyms aren't um, quite set up. You, but you definitely could. Um, I think uh, they get a fair amount of like excitability, that neural point of view from uh, the two guided warm ups from the group, uh, as it is. Like we do a bit of contest work inside, the music's blaring. So there's like prime stuff in there. Um, uh, but I'm sure if there were some players that wanted a little bit more, that there's medicine balls around, there's bands around. Um, but yeah, there's not that I'm aware of players doing it just before. Um, but I've heard of like track and field athletes before they do a hundred meter sprint, definitely um, doing prime sessions and heavy lifting to help them out of the blocks before um, their starts. Yeah, it's I find it so interesting just finding out, not even just in the sports world, but just in like whether you're a public speaker or me doing stand-up comedy, I always feel like as a as a comic, I need some, I need to come up with a better strategy to actually get me ready for for being on the stage. Because pretty much what I'll do 
I'll go out and some nights I'm on and some nights I'm off. And even Monday, Monday night, I just absolutely bombed. I just had a, <laughs> had a, a, a shocker of a night where you get to your punchlines and there was just uh, I hadn't had a bomb like that for a while. So it was a, a good little wake-up talk call. But I noticed as soon as I got to stage, I just felt slightly flat. And coming from a sporting background, I, I would equate it to like if you're slightly under the weather or I, I don't know, like there was there was like a little bit of mental fog there. So I was saying the right things, but there was a certain energy that I wasn't bringing to the table. And I, yeah. I, I'm fascinated about that. Like you can go through uh, the same routine with what feels like the same or more energy you know, on an individual level, but the way that you express it just doesn't seem seem to be as high. And I notice, um, and I, I wonder how this correlates to uh, just getting ready for a big game. The bigger the audience, the a lot of the time, the more on I am. And ironically, mm. like the the gig that I was at on Monday night was was a bit of a dead vibe. Um, I mean, these are just excuses, but uh, but I do think it plays a, a bit of a role. Like it was a little bit of a flat vibe. There wasn't that much going on. I wasn't overly excited to be there. Felt a little bit tired. Got up. That was probably why I was going through the motions. Whereas you, you get a few hundred people in front of you who have paid to be there to do stand, uh, to watch stand up comedy. You're like far out. Like there's a little bit of pressure to deliver. And I like yeah, that. Yeah. Like I often like before I get up on stage, I, I'll often get these like little jitters. And yeah. a lot of the time, I notice that the little jitters that I get, I get before I do time. well. It's a very yeah, good yeah. sign. Um, yeah. And a lot of the time, and I've, I've tried to take some, I just take some dot points and stuff after each set just to say, okay, energy was low, crowd was small, I wasn't in the mood. Uh, the flip side of that, energy was high, crowd was pumping, I was ready to roll. And it's amazing on those ready-to-roll nights when you get those jitters. That's when I'm on when it comes to dealing with hecklers, when it comes to just being really, really on my feet with with any interruptions. Um, yeah. Whereas the other night, it was just, it was almost like a, not a fatigue, but there was just a. I was like, all right, I'm just here. I'm doing what I. I'm doing what I do. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I, I sort of was reminded of that when you mentioned just the, the loud music, the guided drills that the boys are going through. But even last night, like they, I think they said there was nearly ninety three thousand people in the stadium. Ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. yeah I was ninety six thousand, like seven hundred and something. Crazy. So wild. And, uh, and so perhaps you, you mentioned earlier, like it felt like a finals intensity, but, you know, a latter part of a, a, a game kind of intensity from the yeah, get-go. Yeah, like I, I felt like the first much... quarter, it mm. felt like the fourth quarter of the game being on the line. That's what, which I've never experienced that before. Like and, in terms of just, yeah, the pressure um, and just the urgency for players to just, you know, those extra little bit of effort to try and do a smother, a tackle, um, get a quick handball away, whatever it was, just the yeah, reaction times of the players um, for that first quarter was, yeah, it was a hot game, that's for sure, um, fun to watch. Like, And it, you could see, like talk about the emotion of the crowd with the with the Maynard situation, which we were talking about a bit earlier, like obviously the Cogman fans were cheering him on and the Dees fans were, were booing him and, yeah, so it, was, it felt like a coliseum at the G last night, yeah. <laughs> like back into a medieval sort of... <laughs> Uh, vibe, which was yeah, it was fun to experience the whole game because it was a tough, tough game. I imagine the players are going to be yeah pretty sore, um, and probably didn't sleep that well last night because your arousal levels um, are pretty spiked with the contest like that. Talk about crowd sizes, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I always wonder. Like I often wonder what it is that 
Like, obviously, you've got the fact that it's finals. You know, on paper, okay, now we're playing finals, so the boys are excited for that. But that kind of energy can carry you so far. But I guess when you get 96,700 people together who are absolutely pumped for it, that's that's where that intensity kicks in. Because I don't know about you, but when I was in primary school, if I had four girls that I had a crush on from my class watching, my energy levels were next level, you know. So times that pop, whatever that is, to fill out a stadium. And that's just... Uh, that's wild. Does does your role vary much after a game like that, or have you have you got pretty uh, similar structures in terms of like the recovery patterns? Um, the, the reason I ask is because you mentioned that you know you're going to have a few boys with a lot more uh, knocks and bumps based on that yeah. intensity. Like, h- how yeah. much does your job vary getting them ready for next week now? Um, I mean, my like probably more Selwyn, who's the high performance manager. It's more um, like certainly I assist in that area with checking in with the players and you know helping them with you know there might be little bits and pieces in the on the gym floor that, that come up and you bring you, you know, have some suggestions or there's just a general discussion in checking in with them and things like that. But Selwyn um, and our um, sports scientist Nick Murray who monitors our heart rate variability and wellness data from the athletes. So those two like as part of their primary roles are definitely putting in um, recovery strategies um, by getting the athlete's feedback, subjective feedback, and then also looking at their heart rate variability, objective feedback, and, and comparing that to their norms over um, over the season and, and putting in suggestions. Um, so that would be probably, yeah, more those two guys would be focusing on you know, how to maximise the next 72 hours, which is typically what it takes for an AFL athlete to recover from a game up to three days before then more of the nervous system, like muscles might take 48 hours and then their muscles start to feel a little bit better. But um, for that uh, neural recovery where they feel like they can be explosive again, sprint, accelerate, uh, their energy levels start to pick up again, mood starts to um, get back to where it was yeah, three day, three to four days. So um, certainly you can help that process um, rather than just waiting around. There's a lot that they can do in those three days to help maximise recovery. Uh, and, yeah, I think... The, the big one will probably be sleep, um, getting back into routine. Bit of today would probably be some. Some of the guys might like the the sauna um, if they haven't got any corkies, uh, hot colds as well. Like a few of the guys saw in the morning going into the pool, water immersion, um, a bit of gentle movement, and then when we have our first day, two days after the game is where they just start to get it, um, have a light kick of the football, fundamental skills. That's where mentally, I guess, you start switching on with your football again, start preparing for the upcoming game. Um, but yeah, it's all quite individual. Uh, and then there's also just some check-in from our high performance manager, and then our sports artist would be feeding the information through to him and the rest of our team as well on how everyone's going. Like our the re- the guys that didn't play Thursday night had a game this morning against Carlton's, I guess, reserves, like because both Carlton and and our uh, team are playing in the VFL finals, so. Um, we'll see how they recovered as well, um, and you know there might be some potential changes in the team. So taking into account that they've had a day less recovery, but also fifteen v fifteen um, can be, have different demands uh, than a you know um, an eighteen v eighteen with rotations. So it'll be interesting to see the GPS report from from that game as well um, and how those guys recover. So yeah, there's lots of little different layers to it, but from a rehab point of view, yeah, it's the the nothing really changes from what happened from the game performance. It's more just where where my players at in terms of how far away 
are they from coming back to playing? And then when they return back to the main group and they play their first game, they're headed over to Selwyn, Nick Murray, Tommy Turner, who's our strength and power coach, um, back into main group management once that first game's and they've returned to play. Yeah. What's the sauna role? What does that do the day after a game in terms of recovery? So that, like, sort of the opposite, I guess, of what we're talking about before with prime, uh, priming the the athletes and trying to boost their arousal levels. Um, what we're trying to do on the during the recovery process is try and downregulate the, the players. Um, so the saunas, um, something that some of the players really like to help be in that relaxed state. So might. Um, probably not something they're going to do after the game, but certainly the next day, let's say, if they struggled to sleep last night, which, as you imagine, you would with a night game, uh, and, they're, and being able to slow down and get to sleep at a regular time, so it just helps them auto-regulate today, uh, hopefully get in, helps promote blood flow circulation, which, as we know, um, that's how we carry our nutrients through to our, to our muscles to help them replenish. So to speed up our muscle recovery, sauna is really good to promote blood flow and circulation. Um, whereas the ice bath is more for things like the swelling. Um, so being able to, like if it, from all those knocks and bruises, that's where uh, cold is really proven to be quite effective. So any of the swelling um, is where you want to be focusing on, on, on cold water, maybe around 10 degrees. Um, and from a nervous, point of, nervous system point of view to help accelerate that recovery, like I talk about from energy and mood. So for those that are feeling super tired, um, and flat, and that the contrast of going hot cold has been proven to be quite effective. Uh, and the players tend to like that as well, where they get a bit of best of both worlds, where they go, let's say, five minutes in the ice bath and then a 10 minute sauna, and they might do three rounds of that, for example. Yeah. Where you go hot cold or, or spa could be the same thing. Ten, you know, 10 minutes hot, five minutes cold, or five, five minutes cold, five minutes hot, and just doing some rounds of that to. Promote blood flow and reduce inflammation and the swelling. Yeah. I, uh, for whatever reason, yesterday, like I don't do it often, but I woke up yesterday and I was like, oh, I just feel like a sauna. Like I just wanted one. And so I jumped in the car. I'm in Point Lonsdale. I drove half an hour into Geelong or Warren Ponds and I uh, I went and just jumped in the sauna there. And I was probably, I didn't know how to do it. I, I had done no research. <laughs> I just thought I just was craving that warmth. And uh, I was in there for probably 20 or maybe 25 minutes. And dude, uh, I, I didn't even think of the correlation. I reckon I had the best sleep last night that I've had in six months. I woke up this yeah. morning and my wife goes, oh, I had your sleep standard question. And I was like, oh, babe, like absolutely nailed it. Like it was it was unbelievable. And I, I noticed yesterday afternoon, like even a couple of hours after the sauna, I was I was supposed to be in dad duty looking after the kids with the baths. And I was just laying on the couch. I go, babe, I'm so cooked. Like I didn't know. I didn't even really tie those two together. I, I thought maybe I dehydrated myself because I, I had to do a couple of jobs, which I'm sure partly was the problem as well. But I, I had to do a couple of jobs after the sauna. So I didn't get home for a few hours and I had like 300 mils of water in my drink bottle. I was like, all right, I'll just make the most of it. I'll have that and um, when I get home, I'll fix it up. But dude, yeah. I came home, got a, a had like a, a sodium tablet that I use, smashed some water, some lemon water, and uh, – I felt a million bucks, like it, it. But I'd never really thought outside of the fact that it was just an enjoyable thing to do with your afternoon. But again, like a, like the that that neural training, I feel like the conversation around saunas and, and and that cold hot therapy is has become, or maybe I've just become more aware of it. But I seem to hear a lot oh, more no, about it recently. More and more people are investing in a home sauna. That's for sure. Definitely, the last couple of years, 
yeah, I, I mean, it's anecdotal, <laughs> but I've, I've heard about it from not just the AFL circles. Like I train at a CrossFit gym from time to time um, and, yeah, people from, from that gym that are right into their health and fitness investing in saunas so it's just something that yeah people seem to be doing um and i guess yeah but you probably if you notice the benefit that it can have on your uh sleep and just general well-being uh it's probably not a bad investment yeah um, for something sure. I, my, my place needs a bit more space before i'll be investing in a sauna but <laughs> down the line hopefully one day man what what is your actual workout routine look like from uh health fitness strength to recovery like you're on a personal level what are you doing yeah, well, the job itself, um, I'm very active. Like if there would be one thing that I'm most prepared for from a physical point of view, it probably would be to play football right now because in a rehab role, if you've only got two players and, and you're preparing them to be able to play and return to play the following week, um, naturally having a third player in the football drills helps the session, the skills flow a lot better. Um, so definitely been doing a lot more um, change direction and accelerating and jumping than I've ever done over the last 10 years, that's for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I like I like sort of starting the day if I can. Um, if we haven't got any, like, meetings really early or anything like that, start the day with um, some form of probably resistance training, um, just general strength. Um, typically uh, I'll do just sort of total body strength sessions and then um, – I'll do a bit of like stretching and mobility as well just to keep the body um, feeling good uh, because of probably doing the extra football stuff I have found like just the knees and the um, uh, my knee. I've got like a bit of a tendinopathy in my left knee. So if just doing more of uh, sporting activities, I guess that can get quite flat up. So I do take that through a bit of a routine, keep that um, happy. Uh, and then from a, a cross-training point of view, I usually jump in with the boys as well and do – if they're running by themselves, I'll do some running um, with them or I'll do like a bike session if they're by themselves as well. So I get a fair bit of uh, uh, cross-training conditioning incidentally on the job, um, which is an added perk, I guess. Uh, and if I'm not getting, if anyone's, if for whatever reason, put someone in a rehab and there's been a few weeks by then, I'll just sort of tap in and do a bit of that stuff myself as well just to experiment um, because yeah, typically footballers love playing football and they don't like doing these things when they can't play football. So if I can make it a bit more engaging and experiment on, on myself, um, whether it be a little competitive workouts, which is where CrossFit, some experience with CrossFit can be quite handy. Obviously not doing CrossFit movements, but just learning the, what, the way they um, put a workout together can be quite handy for a footballer uh, who can compete with themselves while they're not competing on game day. They can compete with themselves in cross training um, or just doing simple swimming workouts and trying some different things, speaking to some other practitioners in rehab roles and trying those um, methods out on myself as well and just make taking note of it. And that You never know when you might use something. If a player's like, oh, yeah, I really want to improve my um, my first three steps uh, and you've been practicing, you've got a library of different things that you've been playing around with that um, has worked in the past but also um, you think would, would work well for that athlete for their specific needs, uh, it's good to just continually, you know, I guess, sharpen up your toolbox by trying and testing on yourself. Yeah, Crossfit, yeah. CrossFit's one of those uh, – uh, is it a sport? What is it, like a training style? I don't know. I think like it's competitive. I know that. So I guess it is a sport to, to some people. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a business. It's like an F45 and a um, uh, what other sort of franchises, the body fit. So group training business um, methodology that you can follow 
Um, but then also there's the CrossFit Games. Uh, so there are competitive athletes, which is a sort of separate entity to it. Um, and I guess you call it a sport. Uh, like there's people that, you know, um, win local prizes. You can compete at a um, regional level uh, and then you can compete at an international level at the CrossFit Games over in America as well. So, um, yeah, there's the, there's the local punters that train and use it as a methodology to just um, improve their fitness, general fitness and strength. Um, just like you would at F45 and body fit or for people that do boxing, swimming classes, or bike classes. So, um, but then there's uh, separate to that, there's people can do it to compete on online competitions and local competitions. So it was something that I dabbled with while studying. It was quite, um, I got to learn Olymp- weightlifting from an Olympic point of view, like your clean, your um, snatch and um, jerk. And then it also exposes you to like basic level gymnastics as well. So like ring muscle ups, um, bar muscle ups, um, handstand holds, handstand push ups, handstand walking. So, which I never did any gymnastics as a kid. So, I thought that was quite handy. I've, I haven't really used the those two modalities too much in AFL football because they're quite demanding on the joints um, and, and typically require a lot of range of motion through your shoulders and your back, uh, which footballers um, don't tend to to have, uh, or they might have injuries that limit that range. Um, but there's every so often there might be a couple that want you know a bit of needed a bit of a shoulder rehab and maybe a handstand hold on a wall um, can add a little bit of uh, shoulder endurance um, and for some athletes they do actually want to learn the Olympic lifting like a power clean or a hang power clean so there's been times where I have used those tools um, but more I would say the cross training modality is where just to, rather than doing fartlek on a bike over and over and over again you might just simply do um, you know, with a partner, you and I working together and we're competing to get who can get the most calories in five minutes, for example, you know, and you do it first, you, you do 67 calories and then now I'm, I'm doing five minutes and trying to beat 67 calories. So it just helps boost the intent. Uh, and suddenly we've forgotten about our injuries and we're more just complaining about how sore our legs are. From <laughs> the, the <air> <laughs> are you doing much Pilates work? Not you um, personally, but I mean more like with the, with the players. Yeah, we, we have a select few that we um, recommend um, and our physiotherapist, Kathleen, who I work really closely with, she looks after the rehabbers but also the main group. Um, she's uh, yeah, equipped with her Pilates certification uh, and experience as well working in Pilates, so she'll take – But so it's not a whole group thing. It's more just individual with anyone with back uh, issues, groin issues, that they'll go through a block of work where they've got their – um, they work with Kathleen one-on-one and then once they've got their um, pathologies in a stable position, then they will have a select few exercises that goes into their gym program that they um, continue to do over the week for the rest of the season. Um, and then there, I know there's a few footballers as well that do it in the off-season uh, or they might have their, their Pilates studio or, or a practitioner that they see from time to time as well outside of the club. Um, but, yeah, it's probably not something we do – like um, as much as maybe some other clubs where they, they may have a Pilates session that every player does um, potentially. Um, yeah, we're, and same with yoga, like we don't really do uh, have yoga classes. We, I know some football clubs will have yoga um, two days after playing to restore flexibility and mobility. Um, yeah, it's very much those areas uh, if, if it's, it's a needs basis. So if we feel like um, this is something that's definitely going to help you, then we'll put it in, but we're not going to just put it in for the sake of it because there's, obviously there's a lot of other things they're doing. So I guess it's quite selective. If we feel like it's definitely going to benefit you, then, then there's a routine put in place. 
um, but not adding it in for the sake of adding it in, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it, it, you've covered it pretty nicely just with the fact how it's so individualised and it, it makes sense, but there are so many different kinds of um, – I mean, it doesn't matter which area of fitness, whether it's sort of aerobic or that speed endurance or that um, uh, strength, there's endless ways that you can develop it. And I I guess Mm -hmm. to a degree it might even be easier in the world of footy than what it is just me trying to be fit and healthy as like an investment into old Tyson because I'm often like, all right, well, so the reason I asked about Pilates is because that's been my big discovery the last far out. I don't know how long I've I've introduced – one or two sessions of Pilates just into my week and uh, been mind-blown about just how many weak spots that I, I had that I had no idea of. But then, like, uh, from my perspective, I often look at it like I'm trying to tick off strength, I'm trying to tick off flexibility, trying to tick off um, sort of your aerobic fitness. Um, just through, I love running as well, so it's it's not a chore to me as much as it's like a, a break from from the kids and the chaos of, of my house with two kids, you know, three and under. Um <clears throat> But then even little things I forget about is is coordination. Mm. And that's something that just hasn't been, I know it's not directly related to fitness, but in terms of just something I'd like to maintain, I've started trying to be a bit more focused on including stuff like that. So just to show off with my kids now, I'm just doing a bit of juggling and just trying to keep that hand-eye coordination in place. Um, It's fun for them. It's fun for me. But um, uh, uh, as you were talking about that that prime style training, I was like, oh, it's interesting because something like that would probably be really helpful before a, a you know i've been flirting with the idea of getting into some table tennis or tennis or or something that's just not that that one motion kind of activity have you yeah, got any yeah. have you got any like little uh coordination activities or, or or programs or tips or whatever that um i guess on a personal level you're probably getting all that through the extra work you're doing with the club yeah uh i think it's definitely something that's making big rainbows and, and waves through uh high performance training um especially in the sport like football, uh, talk about chaos. So that's a pretty chaotic game where plenty of mistakes are happening and the demand on the body is uh, is pretty immense in terms of mobility, coordination, hand-eye coordination, and also the, just the being able to react to um, bodies around you uh, at speed. Um, so it helps to have lots of different options Um and I think that's where training the body in all different planes of motion. So like Franz Bosch, I actually recently had him on the podcast. He's um, quite well known in the area of complex training and coordination-based training to improve running efficiency, uh, jumping efficiency, um, and any and even from a skill acquisition point of view. So I guess for football, that would be like marking, kicking. Um, so constraint-based coaching rather than um, just relying on the feedback from the coach but actually allowing the athlete to learn through failing uh, and embracing messy training as well uh, and and really trying to challenge the, I guess, from a motor learning point of view. Um, so that's something that, yeah, it's probably a recent, from a research point of view, it's an area that I'm pretty fascinated about uh, and I'm putting a little bit of work and just naturally just test out some things. He's got an app that I download and, and try out some different movements and it's catered more towards improving things like hip lock uh, for, for running and, and breaks it down into max velocity running, change of direction, and uh, acceleration. Um, but, yeah, it's um, something that from that aspect, more from just exploring options that we can use with athletes, for footballers. So just trying that out on myself. Um, but from a skills point of view, um, yeah, like most of it's all just on-the-job uh, football-based stuff. There's no yeah. real um, 
I guess there's no specific goal that I'm preparing myself for. Uh, my main focus of when I'm training is either just to um, get some energy for the day and get myself prepared for the for the day of coaching or just to test out a methodology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your podcast has been good. I've seen a couple of big names jumping on there. I uh, I was impressed with your with your your Sam Newman get. I don't know what the relationship is there, but that one would have uh, that one would have been a fun one to take part in. Yeah, yeah. Well, his good friend, uh, my dad knew. So I think it was his ex manager. Um, he doesn't. I don't think he has a manager anymore. But when he was big in the media world, well, in, in football show and all, and all that. Uh, during his prime, she was his manager and dad grew up with her. So um, when I found out about that connection, um, yeah, I got his number and gave him a call and he was really good about it. He, yeah. you know, caught up and uh, uh, he's got a podcast as well with Don Scott. So I had Don Scott on the podcast as well in their studio and, um, yeah, it was good fun. He's, he's <laughs> Bit of a laugh. My, oh, man, he's my favourite person to follow on Twitter because he'll, he'll just say the things that, that no one wants to say out loud but just – a lot of us think deep down inside, or at least I do. So, uh, so uh, I really, uh, I really like him for that reason. So, I was, yeah, I was impressed with that. But, mate, I know, uh, I know you and I are both about to go and rock kid duty for this afternoon. So, I'm not going to hold you up too much longer. But, mate, great to touch base as always. Uh, I mean, would love to, would love to follow up because there's, there's probably plenty more that we could talk about. And, um, thanks for your flexibility today. I know I had to change it around on you a little bit, and we're going back and forth trying to find a good spot. But, mate, always fun sitting down and picking your brain. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you, Tyson. It's been great to have a chat and, um, yeah, the flexibility of uh, parenting, hey? you got to just always be nimble and, and adaptable. <laughs> um, but, no, I appreciate you uh, having me on and, yeah, it's been really good to be on the Popcoptra uh, podcast and, um, yeah, love your work, mate. Love what you're doing for the industry, um, both from a you know, running perspective but also the fact of how brave you are to be a, a stand-up comedian <laughs> and pick up that skill late on uh, respect because that's something that, uh i cannot say i mean you never say never but <laughs> uh i can't see myself doing that in the near future so hats off to you mate, mate come down and, come down do five minutes with me <laughs> don't know if i'd survive a full five <laughs> yeah, no, all right brother i'll leave you to it i'll see you soon see you later everyone thanks mate